We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app he's making his second run for mayor of chicago a non-traditional candidate in a wide field and jamal green's community-based campaign has plans for this city and we'll hear them this weekend Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is community advocate and organizer Jay Maul Green. He's championed issues from neighborhood economic development and health care to home ownership and more. He would tell you he's a champion for the most vulnerable of the city's residents. Mr. Green is the founder of the Majesty All-Stars, a nonprofit that works with and mentors young people. He's also an entrepreneur and a real estate broker. Nationally, he was an official surrogate for presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Uh, we are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing. And uh, Jamal Green, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you and all your work. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's very kind. It's It's been four years since we sat down for a lengthy interview like this, and a lot's happened in Chicago since then. Uh, the incumbent mayor, Lori Lightfoot, says she shepherded the city through some of its toughest times, like COVID-19 and the uh, economic upheaval that it caused. And still, she says, Chicago rises. What do you say? I say she was unfortunately the mayor doing some very hard times but you know i think she made a lot of bad decisions um you know in my opinion the pandemic exposed a lot of leaders uh throughout the country um including ours who really um had the decision on whether they were going to do everything to um show the everyday people in the city of chicago that they were going to um, um, you know, protect them and give them the resources that they need, especially during the hard times that um, we faced, or they were going to make decisions uh, to not be there for us. Um, and I think uh, there was a lot of decisions that's been made over the last four years that's been uh, terrible. I also think that it has truly divided our city. Um, and I think that we're in a moment where we need a mayor that's unique, um, that is uniquely qualified, that really is connected to the neighborhoods. Um, and there's no hit against, you know, this mayor. It's just that I don't believe that she's the right mayor for this time, especially in the crisis that we're in now. Can you give an example of uh, a decision or two that she made that you do believe was, uh, was wrongheaded and that may have divided the city and what you would have done differently? 
Oh, whew. well, you know, of course, definitely during the uh, the situation where, um, you know, the looting happened uh, during the pandemic, um, where she raised the bridges. I think everybody can remember that. Um, you know, that was a truly terrible decision. Um, and they were totally unprepared downtown. Um, and then they boxed people in, pushed people out into the neighborhoods, causing um, looting into the neighborhoods in which, you know, I raised a quarter of a million dollars to help open up those neighborhood businesses that were looted during the pandemic, um, you know, because she raised those bridges. And I think that was one of the biggest things that everyone can really think of, as well as when you look at the the federal relief money, right, that came uh, down from the feds, um, you know, she her, her spending and how she spent some of that money, you know, just didn't make sense. You know, she spent an extra 260 something million on police overtime saying they were doing odd jobs and, you know, at the airports and things of that sort. While people here were, you know, uh, risk, uh, they're at risk of losing their home, homeless, um, haven't eaten. There are a lot of different people that really were in need uh, and we didn't do our best with the dollars to really make sure that we are making the investments in people um, that we should have. Um, so, you know, those are a couple of things that, that uh, I think about, but I can, I can do another 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, these would have been tough years for any Chicago mayor. What is it about your experience and your work and your life that you feel show that you're the one who can meet those kinds of challenges? Well, you know, I'm connected to the communities. I understand what they need because I'm in them every day, because I mentor young people in them every day, because I help folks in the communities become homeowners and I invest in small businesses and I'm there for small businesses when they need support. Literally, the communities, uh, um, you know, that are the most vulnerable, I'm and there as a support system each and every day when a kid is getting killed i put up thousands of dollars in reward money um you know there's always a uh, every time there is a crisis in the neighborhoods you know i'm the one that they call on for help and this is without the title this is without asking for votes or asking for money i use my own money and my own platform um to be there for the community because i want them to be better and so at the end of the day, when you talk about, uh, you know, my experiences, my experiences come from these uh, um, um, vulnerable neighborhoods, come from being raised under a single mother, um, you know, uh, um, and, and having my lights and gas cut off sometimes and being in the neighborhood. I had to watch people being shot. You know, my struggles and the things that I struggled through, um, I've seen every all of the policies I move forward. I have been a part of experiencing those problems firsthand or in helping um, um, in those problems and organizing for solutions. Uh, and I think that's what the community wants is somebody that is connected to them, that's just like them, that has experienced their problems, because nine times out of 10, they're going to have the passion to make sure that they fix them. And I'll always stay in the neighborhoods, even as mayor. What do you believe, in your view, is keeping Lori Lightfoot from doing the kinds of things that the city needs and requires? A lot of things. I think that she's very disconnected from the city um, and we need a Chicago born and raised mayor right now uh, at this time um, who really understands the city and understand the nuances of every neighborhood, um, you know, from from the from the top to the bottom level to the gangs to everything that's 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 really going on in the neighborhoods. And somebody is really understanding of what's going on so that they can bring forth 
solutions, uh, as well as hire people in those neighborhoods that are doing the work that are connected to those communities. And I think, you know, you have an outside mayor who has um, outside administration. I mean, there's there's not 10 people in administration that's actually connected to the neighborhoods. And so um, you don't have anyone from neighborhoods that can make a call to city hall and say, hey, this is what's going on here. And, and I want to put this on your radar. Um, there's no connection to the neighborhoods. You have a, a full um, load of a cabinet of outsiders. Um, and I think that that's a, um, a major problem. Um, we you have to, especially if you are a mayor that's really not from here, um, uh, you have to have an administration that's connected to everyday people in our city. And I think that that's a um, that's a pro- uh, that's a, a, a problem that um, uh, I see each and every day. Uh, we are talking after Mayor Lightfoot uh, apologized for her campaign staff sending letters to uh, Chicago public school teachers asking them to tell students about the uh, opportunity to volunteer for her reelection campaign. Uh, she says that was a mistake and her campaign staff has been retrained. What's your view of that entire uh, issue and how she's handled it? <laughs> Well, you know, I think I think that, um, you know, she has to address it because they were caught. But this is not the uh, first time uh, that they've done this. This is actually another. This is the second time. So, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, the mayor campaigned on corruption, campaigned against politicians who she say were corrupt and, um, you know, uh, bribing folks. And, um, you know, she, she, she kind of sailed in on this whole, bring in the light and maybe transparent and I'm going to do things the right way. Um, yet I can show you 20 different ways, um, that she has done a lot of the same things that other politicians have done, not just in this situation, but there are plenty more like, the fact that, uh, you know, Alderman Michael Scott stepped down, she appoints him to her education board because she wants to um, move forward a school building. And so she she kicks off someone who disagrees with her. And then on top of that, appoints his sister as the alderman, you know, so like she has done so much, uh, so many different things that other politicians that she uh, fought against have done. Um, and so this whole uh, I'm the new, you know, uh, kid on the block is going to do things different um, was all for show and all to get in office. Uh, I do want to before we uh, talk uh, in, in detail about your plans and your ideas for this city, I want to talk a little bit about the field. This is a really crowded field of, of candidates. and. How difficult do you think it, it is for anyone to stand out? And doesn't it not, or does it not, uh, s- fracture the opposition to the mayor and give, in, give her something of an advantage? Excuse me, Craig. No, I think that, um, you know... <laughs> I think that it's kind of easy to stand out when you're a non-politician, and you're somebody that has a track record for the community, right? So I think that we're standing out pretty well um, over the rest of the candidates who are politicians who aren't good at the jobs that they're doing now. 
Uh, and let's just be let's just be honest, Craig. You know, everybody else in the race, we have somebody at every level of government, and they're not good at their jobs, um, but they think that they can be mayor. Um, but what I'll say about the opposition with the amount of candidates is that everybody's going to vote against Lightfoot, right? The vast majority of people are going to vote against Lightfoot. Now, the majority of people right now undecided, right, on who they want to vote for. Um, but they know they're not voting for Lightfoot. So that's a problem, right? Because what will happen is um, is that the anti-vote will, will be very much larger uh, in a place where Lori Lightfoot could possibly not make the runoff, which I think that's very likely for her not to make the runoff. And even if she did, um, she'll have a very hard time beating me in a runoff. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's quite impossible. So uh, at the end of the day, people are ready for change. Uh, and people are ready to vote against her. Um, there's not a big percentage of people that's willing to give her another chance. And I think that's the biggest problem that she's facing. Well, let's talk about the kinds of things that people are going to be thinking about when they go to the polls next month. Uh, and probably at the top of mind and the top of just about any can- mayoral candidate's uh, uh, list of position papers is public safety. Uh, that is the number one priority. I know it is yours. Um, And I will say that having looked over your plans, uh, I think it is interesting to know. I'm not going to express an opinion on the air, but I I will tell you that one thing that does stand out is that the first item on it has nothing to do with law enforcement. Right. It's economic yep. prosperity. Prosperity. Yeah. And talk talk mm-hmm. about that. Why that is the first item to deal with in public safety. That's a, that's a good question, Craig. Because we are moving away from um, you know this whole notion that the only way to get uh, the city of Chicago safe is by investing in police. We're moving away from that. That's not the truth. The only way to get the public. Um, um, to have a safer community um, is to make sure that every person in this city has the opportunity to grow and thrive and have an, uh, uh, any op- and achieve any goals that they want to achieve. This, these communities in the city of Chicago must be prosperous, right? So economic prosperity uh, is the first thing because these communities need to be invested in, right? We need an influx of homeowners. We need more affordable housing units. We need to um, develop on our vacant lots. We need to create jobs. You know, all of these different things are, I think, is one of the biggest pieces of public safety to give people alternatives and to allow people to create generational wealth uh, and to give people ownership over their blocks and their neighborhoods. And I think um, that's why why we we did economic prosperity first. And I want to talk a little bit more about that, and we may need to get into come back to it because how you get those companies, those businesses in, how you get the investment is uh, no small task. But the one thing that we know it is is mm-hmm. it's a process that it, right. it takes time. And right. when you're talking about public safety, I would uh, I would think that many people in the public while they agree prosperity is important, they want the shootings to stop today. They want, yeah. and, and yep. so they want something immediate 
And frankly, uh, many of them want to see that police officer on the corner um, mm -hmm. yeah. so that they feel safe walking. And how do you balance and, and that? We, yeah. And that, and that plan, it's, it's, a, it's a balance, right, is of long-term solutions as well as short-term. And we talk about the investment in technology and making sure that police officers have the investment that they need so that they can track down carjackers, like increasing license plate readers, um, filtering it for carjackers, for, for carjacking. Um, we talk about, you know, making the job attractive for CPD um, so that we can uh, have more officers that, that want to be police officers by um, changing their work schedule and adding more therapists to the police stations. Um, and then we, we also talk about investing in new technology for the neighborhoods. You know, many folks say, all right, well, we got all these speed cameras that can't catch shooting and all these pod cameras that aren't working. You know, we're going to make sure, um, you know, that we 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 equip um, neighborhoods um, with at least some form of uh, uh, cameras uh, that can catch some of these shootings uh, and incentivize them to create block clubs. Um, so that they can uh, really start to band together against folks who wreak, ha wreak havoc on their block. We also talk about a youth intervention department that we would put in place uh, in which, you know, we would uh, have youth interventionists that would put young people on their caseload who get arrested or drop out of school 25 and under, in which those youth interventionists will have the priority resources to put them on the right path, mandate them to a mentoring organization, give them free counseling, give them a job opportunity, et cetera intervening in their lives uh, um, and helping them out. And we also talk about a reentry program for, for those folks who return home um, because those, those folks need the resources that they need to be better and, and not uh, keep increasing the recidivism rate. So there's a lot of short-term things that we're going to do that we think can really keep um, uh, the city safe. Uh, and there's also some long-term things that we, we must focus on. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Jamal Green, candidate for mayor of Chicago. Um, I also want to uh, talk about uh, intervention, well, prevention and intervention, some new response teams, new ways of uh, handling this problem from a social view as opposed to a uh, an enforcement view. And what are some of the things that you think the city can and should do. Yeah. So when you talk about prevention, um, we got to make sure that there's not another generation of young people, right, that don't grow up to become carjackers or murderers, et cetera. So we got to um, start to uh, invest uh, in them. So one of those things is Universal 3K, one of my favorite policies, right, um, in which we would create programming uh, throughout public schools in which three-year-old kids can start school early before pre-K, right? And studies have shown if you start investing uh, uh, in young people uh, as young as three years old, uh, it'll give them a better future. They become smarter. Um, they're, they're less likely to go down the wrong path. They'll go to college, et cetera. Um, so that's one of our things that, that we want to do. Um, we also want to reopen up our mental health clinics um, that's been shut down for many years, right? And we're going to open them up as healing houses and wellness centers in which there'll be institutions that tackle mental health holistically. It's not just psychiatry. It's like a crazy house, how, you know, how people look at mental health clinics. Um, but it's an institution that they feel they can go and wind down and, and get the support that they need because it's also yoga, boxing, massage therapies, all the different ways that you can tackle mental health. Um, uh, and, and that's that's one of the things that 
um, we're going to do as well. We want to make sure also that we have an unarmed social workforce that's responding to 911 calls of folks who are mentally ill or homeless, right? We need to make sure um, that we have folks that are um, you know, prepared to uh, respond to these calls instead of um, telling the police that they have to respond to every call that they're not actually equipped um, to prepare. Uh, they're not equipped to uh, uh, actually respond to. So um, that's another thing. So an intervention, you know, I talked about it a little bit from the youth intervention department and the um, reentry program. You know, the biggest piece, um, Craig, is that we must prevent the next generation from engaging in crime. And then we must intervene in folks who are on the wrong path and help them get on the right path. Um, so those are some of the few policies that, that we have in that plan. Okay. And I want to turn to, uh, to the economic prosperity uh, portion because it has been a struggle for uh, mayors going way back to get businesses, those that did want to get businesses into the neighborhoods. Uh, it's been a struggle to get them to come in and to stay. Yep. Yep. How do you... How do you change that dynamic? Oh, we're going to change that. You know, you will finally have a, a pro business, uh, super pro small business mayor, um, you know, in the city of Chicago. Right. And as a small business owner and investor in many small businesses, uh, I know how important it is to create thriving business corridors throughout our city. So some of the things that, that we put in there, right, is making it your first business license free. When you are uh, want to open up a business, streamlining inspections, licenses, uh, um, and uh, permitting, so that it's easier to open up a business. We're going to bring new technology, uh, and we're going to waive fees uh, and hold the city accountable. Right, the city can't just say, "I'm coming to inspect," and you don't know when they're inspecting. Right, if if they're not inspecting within ten days, then they'll get an automatic approval. Right, we got to hold the city accountable to make sure that we're respecting the business owners and the money that they're, um, you know, putting into it. Um, we got to make sure that we also invest in the mag mount, right? We want to, we got some new ideas that will be releasing soon um, because invest in the mag mile and downtown, we got to really rebuild that economy down there. It's a ghost town now. Lots of folks have left. We got a lot of amazing space uh, and we got to make sure that we bring new experiences, bring an entertainment district back uh, and uh, bring an entertainment district downtown uh, and make this a place where people um, you know, tourists all over the world want to come. Uh, and that's one of the biggest things for us too. We got to create another stream of revenue uh, downtown, create new small business corridors uh, by removing the red tape as well as investing in them, right? So another thing we talked about in that plan is our public bank, right? In which our public bank um, would invest in homeowners, invest in small businesses because um, they're non-traditional loans uh, and, you know, uh, help get the help um, those folks who usually wouldn't get a loan from regular bank get one um, so that they can open up a business or, or own a home. So um, that's another piece to our plan. Uh, let me ask you about the uh, two existing initiatives. And if you think these are good ideas that should continue or bad ideas that you would end one uh, that's being talked about this week and is moving forward is something similar to what you're talking about, about the Mag Mile, but the idea of reinvigorating the LaSalle Street cars. LaSalle Street, and, yeah. and, and also bringing uh, affordable housing there, 
and some small businesses from the neighborhoods. Is that a, is that a good idea? You know, I don't think it's going to work. Um, and so uh, I don't think it's going to work. And I think that um, what's going to happen is, um, you know, many folks who uh, uh, have buildings downtown are not going to do it. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I think that she's trying to throw up a hurrah. Um, and, you know, it's just not going to work. We're going to look at it. I've talked to a lot of business uh, owners who own buildings downtown. Uh, and, you know, their response uh, is that they're not for it, but they're trying to do something with their vacancies. So we'll see what happens. And then let's talk about the, uh, the, the, the big project, and that is Invest Southwest. Uh, right. That is, the mayor would uh, say, her signature uh, economic development plan. Uh, is that not a, a thing that should continue? Well, the, you know, Invest Southwest plan, I think, has been, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think that it's been a plan that that has worked thus far. Um, Invest Southwest uh, is just all, you know, I, I would say political. Right. And they attach to projects that are going on uh, throughout the community, but they're actually not. Um, you know, investing into communities, uh, you know, they are they are underfunded uh, programs so that they can tout, oh, this one's point something billion dollar investment, et cetera. Uh, and that's just, you know, uh, uh, not real and not the case. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, I believe that we will create a new program to actually um, spur investment uh, into the South and West Sides. Uh, it's going to be with tangibles. It's going to be with real investment. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, to doing so. But the Invest Southwest program um, will not continue under my watch. Um, one of the other issues that you focus on is uh, housing and homelessness. What more can be done or what better, what can be done better uh, to have less, fewer people on the street and more people indoors and maybe even owning homes? Yeah, several things. You know, we got to make sure that, you know, we, we move forward a single family mortgage bond so that we can back 10,000 home loans. Right. That that's one of the biggest things so that, you know, because the banks aren't investing in communities. So we're going to use our bonding capacity to back home loans. Um, we're also going to incentivize, um, you know, uh, uh, big box stores, um, you know, grocery stores, churches, banks, single floor buildings um, to um, you know, put a floor uh, on top. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, that's what needs to happen so that we can increase our affordable housing supply dramatically as we got to incentivize those folks to build affordable housing units on top um, and bring forth a lot of funding uh, to that. And that, that. That ties into the public bank too, right? If we got a public bank, we can invest directly into income-based housing uh, and invest directly to increase the affordable housing supply um, throughout the city of Chicago. Um, so um, we also must pass the real estate transfer tax. I do think that we need to have a, a dedicated funding stream for homelessness uh, and you know uh, uh, um, affordable housing development. So um, those are a few things that we definitely want to do. Um, but we got to make sure we're creating homeowners, creating affordable housing, and we need to do it in record time. I'm not talking about, um, you know, doing a couple thousand a year. You know, they're not even doing that. I'm talking about doing 10,000 plus each year. And that's how we, we must remove the red tape and, and bring forth the economic engine. 
another the city has way too many vacant lots and there are a number of vacant buildings uh your plan also includes uh converting some of them into uh shelters or temporary or permanent housing uh yes 100 you know there are many different vacant buildings. We need to acquire those um, buildings that private owners have set on and not used for many years uh, and kind of push them to, you know, uh, uh, sell, it, sell it to us um, because they're not using them anyway. We need to rebuild, you know, uh, I mean, uh, we need to acquire lots of properties and use the ones that we have and, you know, quickly start to create affordable housing uh, and, and new, new units throughout the city of Chicago. That, that's also a part of the plan. Um, if, uh, you know, with the, we have like 30 seconds left, um, what is your message? What is the thing that you want people to be thinking when they hear the name Jamal Green? Well, I want them to think about the, the promise that we have to become a city that really can work for everyone. I want them to think about um, the person that has been morally consistent year after year after year, always on the right side of the truth, always being a fighter for everyday people throughout the city of Chicago. Um, and I'll be that same fighter as mayor. Um, and at the end of the day, um, I've always spoke up uh, against the powers that be, whether it was uh, 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 fighting politicians who were, were, were passing policies against the people, or it was fighting the largest bank in the world, forcing them to give back a billion dollars to the South and West sides and the realigning communities and Chase Bank. And so, you know, uh, I've, I've never been scared to um, step up against the powers that be. Uh, and I'll always speak on behalf of all people throughout the city of Chicago. Well, thank you, Jamal Green. He is a candidate for mayor of Chicago. And thanks for spending the half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.